Football Friday with Bickley and Murata, presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Um, first of all, I don't have any beef with Kyler Murray because they was like, oh, Patrick blatantly disrespected Kyler. I didn't do that. You know, what I meant by my comment was when you're a franchise quarterback, you have to carry yourself a certain way. So if you're having bad body language, pouting, moping on the sideline, what type of energy do you think that, that feeds off to your teammates? That's what I meant about Kyler cares that he's caring about himself because he's not putting the team first. You know, when you make a bad throw, you coming off the side, you coming off to the sideline, you dropping your shoulders. How you think the defense feel? If, 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 if our starting quarterback don't have any energy, no fire, that we can win this game, how can we? So that's what I meant about about Kyler caring about Kyler. I didn't mean that in no disrespect, any fashion or form. And I might not be his mentor, but these are the things, tips that I think that it can help him be, you know, a better football player in the long run. You know, so. It is what it is at the end of the day. That is Minnesota Vikings cornerback and noted body language expert Patrick Peterson talking about Kyler Murray. Obviously, this thing was started by Patrick Peterson, who's had a lot to say about the Arizona Cardinals, mostly about Steve Kime, the first go around on his podcast, then went in on Kyler Murray on his uh, on his podcast. Um, I'm sure the Minnesota media loves having to listen to Patrick Peterson. Talk about Kyler Murray. Yeah, in the midst of a, se- a season right. where the Vikings have exceeded all expectations <laughs> and are one of the top teams in the NFC. It's strange. And right. Patrick Peterson's actually played well, to his credit. And maybe that is the reason behind all this renewed energy of him commenting on things. He was very quiet in his first year in Minnesota. The Vikings played the Cardinals last year. He didn't have anything to say about Steve Kime or Kyler Murray or any of these things. Um you said, hey, look, just because Patrick Peterson said these things, even though he probably shouldn't be saying these things, it doesn't mean there's not truth in them. Kyler Murray's body language has been the source of um, discussion sure. throughout his time with the Cardinals. But there's this fine line, too. Like, And I agree, bad body language is evident. I think it does have an effect on people. But then you look, and the Cardinals are losing. Then you look at the other side of the spectrum. Russell Wilson is under more fire in his career than he's ever been. And why is he under fire right now? One of the reasons is because he's overly positive about everything. (laughs) And they suck too. You can't, apparently you can't win if you're a quarterback. I, I mean, I just think it's who, this is who Kyler Murray is at this point. Are you going to get him to be the ultra ultimate, you know, demonstrative leader on the sidelines, I just don't think he has it in him. And I think a lot of that goes back to you know, his development as an athlete where things came so easy to him on whatever field he was on being the best athlete. That determines who you become as an adult. And can you change it as a professional? I don't know. I just think... And, he, and can you succeed if it doesn't change too, I guess is the big question. It's just... Okay, so where we sit as observer, as observers and people who cover the team, there's only so much we know about what goes on at the facility and the way Kyler Murray handles himself as a leader and as a quarterback and as a guy who is kind of thrust into a leadership position because of the nature of the position of quarterback. So all we can kind of do is try to listen to people and try to piece things together in what you hear. So you got the Patrick Peterson comments. 
okay, we know there's been issues with other teammates in the past about the way Kyler carries himself. Ian Rappaport, who's dialed in mm-hmm. presumably to the either organization or perhaps the the agent of Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, same guy, by the way, Eric Burkhart, just last week on 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 a show was talking that about show. was talking about the relationship between Cliff and Kyler and uh-huh. said that Kyler Murray's essentially difficult and was saying that Kyler used the he, uh, Ian Rappaport used the word Kyler's very curt. He's very tough to deal mm-hmm. with um, from a relationship standpoint in terms of communication. Kyler wants to do things his way the way he wants to do it. So Kyler's curt. So if Kyler's curt with his head coach, you could probably make the assumption he's curt with his teammates. So you got all these communication issues that you hear about. So when we sit here and we talk about it on the radio or fans talk about it at the games or they talk about it at the tavern, you kind of start to evaluate like, well, Kyler Murray's got a communication problem or he's got a leadership problem. So then that that's the narrative that's built. And whether or not that's fair to Kyler Murray or not, who knows? But that's what you hear and that's what the narrative is. And then Patrick Peterson comes out and says all this yesterday and that's a former teammate of his. And whether or not we want to throw darts and rocks at Patrick Peterson for saying it, hey, don't you talk about our guy like that, Patrick Peterson. Yeah, we can talk about yeah. him, but you can't. Yeah, you can't do that to our pledges. Only we can do that to our pledges. <laughs> And again, it, it, so it goes back to the fact that this is our quarterback here, and he's not going anywhere. And, and it just makes you worried that you hear from Ian Rappaport that he's curt to his coach, and you, you hear that there were problems between you know him and Larry Fitzgerald in the locker room, but and you the, hear that Patrick Peterson doesn't like his body language, which you can presume was an issue then with the with the team in recent years. And you're like, okay, well, well, well what has to change? And can Kyler Murray mature enough to to make some of these? issues go away so he can be the best quarterback he can be going forward and does he need to change yeah we'll take body language out of it for this for this question okay in year four and then we'll get back to the you know the the things that you just brought up in year four when you look at when kyler murray stepped on the field week one against the detroit lions in his rookie season that was not a very good football team um, they did not get off to a good start. They didn't win a lot of games that year. But just yeah, Cliff focus, was ready to sell his house at halftime. <laughs> focusing on him, have you? I mean, have you seen? Where's the area where you've seen the most development? And it's hard to answer that right now in year four because this has been a, uh, in terms of production and success, this has been obviously a step back for Kyler Murray. I mean, the deep ball is gone. The accuracy on the deep ball, when you know, the very rare occasions where they do call those plays or execute those plays, the accuracy is not there. Um, you know, he's still the same type of runner, where he can he obviously can can make plays in the design run game and with the scramble, but they don't call those they, ever. They don't call them a lot. He still has um, that self-preservation gene that's very much uh, in effect. Where if you know you, you need a yard, he's and there's some contact coming, he's going to get you half a yard. Um, so I don't, I don't know where the most development has happened in year four, and that that to me is the most trouble, troubling part. Is the lack of deep balls? Is that personnel? Is is their deep ball now playing for Jacksonville? Have they not adequately replaced that with Rondo Moore being injured seemingly all the time and then not being much of a downfield guy because either the way they either call plays or he's just not that type of guy. Uh, Hopkins is not the vertical threat, really more of a 
crossing route out receiver type guy. Yeah, Robbie Anderson's done, done nothing in that, in that regard, even though he's got some speed. So I, 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 I don't know what the reason is, but they don't. I mean, they have one forty yard plus play, and it came on like an eight yard pass to Dorch, who ran mm-hmm. the rest of the way. Yeah. So they, it's it's gone and. It's tough to say where's the development been with Kyler Murray when there hasn't been development. There's been regression since the seven and zero start. So it's 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 tough right now, and that's why, again, bigger picture, you, you just wonder if there needs to be a change at head coach to try to now to try to change the dynamic well, in leadership to try to get the most out of Kyler Murray that you can get because he's not going anywhere. With that contract, and really, I nor should he. I, I'm not ready to give up on Kyler Murray yet. I I, I still think there's there's an ungodly amount of talent in there with that young too. man that that can win you a lot of football games. But it has to be hardest, and it has to be pulled out of him. And I I still think there has to be some maturity and some growth out of him as a leader and as a person. But there also has to be growth and maturity as a football player as well. And I think a new head coach has to be the one to pull that out of him. Because I think there's right now, and James Jones, who played in the league for a long time, was on his show the other day talking about a lack of respect. He sees that the locker room you know, has or does not have for Cliff Kingsbury. And I, 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 I think Kyler needs a new leader. James Jones, the former receiver, not the Suns general manager. No, James Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He may think that, too. Yeah. We'll ask him next that, time he's that, What an annoying uh, coincidence. <laughs> but that's, and you hit on something at the end of this segment that I think is, is a, a fascinating point. You talk about all these things about relationships. Are there fractured relationships? Did these things just pop up in year four? After everybody got paid, now everybody's in a bad mood and doesn't like each other? just doesn't seem to jive. And you're right. If it's a, if it's a new head coach... Uh, that needs to pull these things out of Kyler Murray, and I'm not calling for anybody's job. I'm not predicting anything, but it's a heck of a lot easier to get out from underneath that contract for Cliff Kingsbury than it is to get underneath, get out from underneath Kyler Murray's contract. I just, again, I, I, Vinny, like you, I've been doing this a long time. I've never been the fire the coach guy. I just don't believe. I just don't believe in that. But what I do believe is, like, how do we rectify this? How do we get the most out of Kyler Murray? And I do believe that. It might be time for a change in that dynamic to get the best and the most out of Kyler Murray. I think I just think we might be at that point with the organization. I think you might be right. We'll see. Uh, coming up next, the uh, Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker playing some great basketball. What can he do for an encore? We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here live from the Akchin Community Studios. Tim Ring in for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Marotta Mornings. Devin Booker is not only putting up the numbers, but he's winning basketball games. Number one in the Western Conference. Say he should get a lot more love. And it starts with guys like you, Richard, so that you can't continue to move whoa, the goalposts or do whoa, with things whoa, that's whoa, convenient whoa, for them. Whoa, when you bring up whoa. when you bring up guys like Luka Doncic that's sitting at a 500 record instead of acknowledging what Devin Booker is doing right now, not just individually, but his team. 
team is winning games at the top of the Western Cup. Kendrick Perkins from ESPN giving uh, some love to Devin Booker in the all-important MVP race on December 2nd when you have three quarters of your season left to go. But hey, it's a thing that now happens annually in the NBA. This, this constant shifting of the pecking order on who the best players are, who the best teams are, who the MVP candidates are. Devin Booker is certainly in that mix. Uh, the way he's played basketball the last week, named the Western Conference Player of the Month for November yesterday, 95 points in his last two basketball games, and doing it and making it look easy. Devin Booker once scored 70 points in a game as a second-year player. He was 20 or 21 years old at the time. Nothing about that looked easy. Because nothing was easy, and nothing is ever easy on a basketball court. But he's making it look that way. If Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant had a baby, it would be Devin Booker. <laughs> yeah, medical Just miracle, too. Feet of science, yeah. yeah. I believe uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Booker, was in that movie. Just so fun to watch. I mean, we, we, you know, we talked about it earlier. The seven players in history since 1954 have yeah. scored 50 points in a game in 31 minutes or less. I mean, that was an historic performance yes. uh, the other night. What I said yesterday, and this got quite the reaction from Jarrett, was I think it's the single best individual offensive performance in the history of the Phoenix Suns. You walked it back a little bit and said maybe excluding playoffs. Yes. Because of circumstance. But but to me, there's no doubt that, that what he did the other night was way more impressive than even getting 70, which is rare air in the NBA. Yeah. Um, and I'll go this far, too, and we've had these discussions the last couple of years, and I might be the only guy on this hill. I think I think Devin Booker, as we speak right now, is the greatest Phoenix Suns player ever. When you project what's coming, he's not going anywhere. Well, as we speak right now, we're projecting forward, though. You just said two Both. things. Both. I think so he's, he's already passed Barkley and Nash right now, today. Yes. Without the MVPs. Yes. Okay. Well... I mean, are you being a prisoner of the moment? I mean, if you would have had 26 the other night, would you be saying that? Well, I said this last year, so I'd still be in the really? same place. Really? Okay. Yeah. He's been here longer than both, right? How long was Nash here? Because that, that is a factor for sure. I mean, there's no question when he retires, he will be the greatest Phoenix Sun Suns player. Unless something unforeseen happens. I, time. To, to me, a lot of that goes into, where'd you play? Now, Barkley wore three uniforms. Nash wore three uniforms. Um, no, but I think like okay, but here's the, here's the question: you you take an NBA poll around the country right now, you know, who who is a better NBA player? You say Charles Barkley or Devin Booker? Like what would what would the majority of people say again around the, in NBA circles? Charles, media fans. Charles Barkley is the answer to that question, but that's not. That's not the definition of what I just said. It was the greatest Phoenix Sun ever. Okay. Charles Barkley right, I know came in okay. like a hurricane and had an effect on this market like I don't think we've ever seen or maybe never will see again. He was here four years. Two and a half of them were happy. He went out real bad. They didn't win anything. Um, and I know Devin Booker hasn't won anything yet either. Yet. Who was prior to Devin Booker, the greatest Phoenix Sun of all time? I would probably give Nash the, the nod over so Barkley. So it wasn't even Barkley before no. Booker. Okay. And I'm, I'm a huge Charles fan. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Not the, Booker's not the greatest NBA player to ever wear a Suns uniform yet. He's just the greatest Phoenix Sun in your mind. 
at this point. Yes. Now. Okay. Which the definition is I'll different. I'll buy that. Okay. The definition because is different. Because remember, and we, we, okay. we, we had this discussion too um, with, with Bick earlier in the week about Devin Booker changing the view on him, and it's happened widespread. Not completely. There's still some people who view Devin Booker as they viewed him when he came into the league as a guy who was you know, getting points um, that didn't mean anything. He was a stat stuffer. Where's the wins? Not knowing that you know, 20-year-olds with surrounded by other 20-year-olds don't win a lot of basketball games in the NBA. So he's had to do a lot to overcome these labels that have put on him. And you know, I saw it early on that this guy was different. He wasn't like the the normal entitled young star in the NBA. You know, they get to a point and they say, "All right, we're not really. It's not getting done here in Phoenix. I got to go elsewhere." Devin Booker's that way. Damian Lillard's that way. That's why I respect those guys. It's not about getting to a place where it's going to be easier. It's about working harder to get where you want to go. There were so many times where people were literally waiting <laughs> by the day. For the Devin Booker, I want to be traded bomb yes. to drop, and it never, ever How many came. times was he project? Oh, it's just a matter of time until he ends up in Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns, and yeah, they want to play together. It's just a matter of time before he plays with another buddy, D'Angelo Russell, on whatever team he's been playing on. And it was so bad here, you almost wouldn't have blamed him if he did. Yeah. It was so, it was so rotten to the core for a while here. But he withstood that. And he, and he maintained, I'm, I am going to build it here. I am going to stay here. We are going to win here. And he finally got the support that he needed. And he got the reinforcements that he needed. They finally hit on a couple draft picks with Bridges and Ayton. And they finally pulled the trigger on the free agent trade that they needed. Free agent slash trade that they needed with Chris Paul. But, and people will knock him for that too. Oh, he didn't win anything until. I, I got into an argument a couple weeks ago on Twitter with somebody. Oh, he didn't win anything until Chris Paul got there. Really? Come on, Do man. you know how NBA championship teams are built? Do, do you follow the sport? It, it's just, it, that's Kobe why. Kobe Bryant didn't win anything until Shaquille O'Neal got there. Guess what? They won a lot of championships together. That's the way it works. Uh, I don't know. I just get frustrated. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Devin Booker honk, and, and everybody he, knows it. Larry Bird did not win anything until Kevin McHale got to Michael play. Jordan did not win a championship until, until B.J. Armstrong. Yes. <laughs> Until Will Purdue right. was drafted on the I mean, Vanderbilt. those are all technically true, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the more apt comparison for Jordan is he didn't win anything until Scotty Pippen. Yeah, of, got cor- of yeah, course, of yeah. course. I was making a joke, but it's just like you can make that argument about almost Anybody. everybody. Yeah. Unless you're like Dirk Nowitzki. We were talking about teams like earlier that won without. He didn't win anything until Jason Kidd got back there. I, I guess so. He was already, but like he, that's sort of a, the exception where it was like only one star player and not not a really great team around him. Like we we're saying, Detroit had like a bunch of good players but no star players. Yes, but almost every other team had at least almost two star players. Sure, but uh, you know the the vast majority have at least the one. And Dirk was certainly at the height of his power. Oh, yeah. at that point. Uh, the Bud Light Super Bowl Music Fest, featuring three incredible nights of shows, including Imagine Dragons, Dave Matthews Band, and Paramore, will be headed to the Footprint Center February 9th through the 11th. Tickets go on sale today at ten. 
But you can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for details and your chance to win tickets. Coming up next, vintage Bill Belichick after a loss on Thursday Night Football. More NFL hash marks. Straight ahead, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings. Tim Ring's in for Bick today and all next week here on Arizona Sports. Hooray. The local sports leader. <laughs> Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. 3 of 12 on um, third down offensively. It's been an area that has been a struggle all season. Well, what do you see there? Why that's been such a struggle? Yeah, combination of things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bill Belichick in rare form last night after a Thursday night loss yeah. to the Buffalo Bills. That wasn't it. He just had a lot of the same players in place last year as he do this year, and the offense was a lot more efficient. Anything specific that changed from last year to this year? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Combination of things. I mean, is great as it would be to probably work in Boston in your career as a sports media guy, right? One of the sure. best sports cities in the country. I think right? it would be wicked awesome. <laughs> no, nobody said Starbucks. <laughs> but Imagine having to cover that guy for 20 plus years. It would... I, I, I mean, think, stick a needle in my eye. Yeah, but you know, there would be those those fleeting moments where you could get him to open up about something. You know, when you ask that random question about lacrosse and his light, his face lights up and he gives you like a three minute answer. Yeah. Okay, or you ask uh, him about an old player or something. Yeah, uh, but when you ask about what's going on with his team in the now, yeah, that could get a little bit old. Yeah, but I it's still know. funny. I, I don't know if it's funny to the guys in Boston. It's funny to me. On the outside, when it's you get- funny to the outside. Just like is it, is it funny when Greg Popovich has to deal with a or a sideline reporter has to deal with Greg Popovich? I don't know. We don't some see people- the Spurs on national TV. Anymore. Yeah, those days are over. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, some people thought that was funny. I always, I always thought he was a bit of an ass. A bit yeah, of an ass. yeah. When you put yourself in that reporter's shoes, you're yeah, like, because oh, I've that kind of hurts. I've done that job. It would bother me. Yeah, I'd be like Doris Burke, be like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the only guy he ever really had a a, a, a rapport with was was Craig Sager. Sager, yeah. yeah, and they would they would give it back and forth. Um, so the coach wasn't talking about the offensive struggles. The quarterback for the Patriots talked about the offensive struggles. They scored just one touchdown, seven points in that loss. Uh, Mac Jones was caught on the sidelines. Animated, frustrated, yelling at uh, Matt Patricia, the offensive coordinator. Obviously, just kind of let my emotions get to me, but, um, you know, we're kind of playing from behind, and what I said was about throwing it deeper in the short game. You know, I, I got to execute that part better, but it's the short game that we kept going to, which was working, but I felt like we needed chunk plays, and, um, you know, I shouted that out to kind of get everyone going, and that's emotional, that's football. I'm passionate about this game. And um, obviously, you don't want to get your emotions let you know get the best of you. But um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Like it wasn't directed at anybody; just emotion coming out, and we kind of needed a spark. Man, Patrick Peterson's going to have to reach out to Mac Jones as a mentor to you know, improve that sideline demeanor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's they, so concerned about these young quarterbacks. Maybe they shouldn't have hired the guy who used to be the. Defensive coordinator. <laughs> that didn't make well, sense. That's a start in yeah. the moment. It, didn't, it doesn't it make no sense, sense now. now. I mean, you would think an NFL def- offensive coordinator would be a guy who spent years on that side of the ball studying offensive schemes and formations and 
ways to beat the opposition's defense. Let's just hire the guy. Yeah, last night the longest play from scrimmage was a chunk play. It was the, the play that the Patriots scored on a little swing pass that went 48 yards to Jones. Uh, they had no other plays over 20 yards. There was only two two plays by Buffalo over 20 yards. Um, I applauded Mac Jones earlier in the show for saying that about you know the, the the deep passing game being just a thing of the past now, and it, it it's made for me uh, the NFL not as enjoyable. Mac Jones also talked about uh, another subject that Bill Belichick didn't want to talk about: combination of things. Uh, why were they struggling so much offensively and specifically on third down? I'm not sure. You'd have to ask the defense. I think you know we we practice these plays they work in practice um, we have we know what we're supposed to do it's just a matter of we can go out there and do it and you know this this is a good football team a good defense good third down defense so um, I'll have to watch the tape and kind of see but I feel like you know by the end of the week our plan is our plan and uh, we feel confident in it and that's all you can do right and then once you go out there you kind of just have to read and react and what do they give you they give you it might be different than what you saw in practice but we need to execute better I need to execute better and um, I felt like we couldn't get that rhythm tonight um, couldn't you know get the third downs couldn't kind of move the ball <laughs> yeah um, if you take away the 48 yard completion the other 21 completions for Mac Jones covered 147 yards did he just seriously say they work in practice they work in practice <laughs> they work on the whiteboard when coach draws it up and he puts a little black line with the sharpie and he they draws a line he, the, X, how much... see, the guy the guy with the X he has a little black line and he blocks the guy with the O football and that, would be so much easier if it wasn't for that stinking defense man they work in they trying work to in, stop what you're doing they work in practice <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw this uh, shifting gears Patrick Mahomes was a guest of the Kelsey brothers have a podcast too it's something else too i did see this the yes. new heights podcast where they talked about patrick mahomes entering the league through the draft process listen to this story that mahomes told the first day that i met coach reed was at the facility we had like the uh, meetings like the top 30 visits so i was in there for like five hours he's just going Grilled. through plays going through plays and uh i'm going to give you all the inside scoop uh, matt Nagy, who was the offensive coordinator then he really liked me so he gave me the plays they were going to go over the night before so coach reed's finding out here live on new heights podcast. oh my gosh matt <laughs> How could you? Let's go. And yeah, so of course I crushed the meeting. I stayed up all night studying those plays. It's like, man, this kid is locked in. We got ourselves a winner here. <laughs> As the process went on, I got a feeling that I was kind of going up in the draft. I had a couple of teams that said they were going to draft me, and they're, I mean, that's true. Like It's not like these coaches are making that up. I talked to them uh, during the draft process, and they were like, hey, if you're there, we're going we're gonna to take you. I kind of gave a little inside info to the, the Chiefs. I was like, hey, if y'all let me go anywhere below, at the time, I didn't know about the Saints, but I was like, if y'all let me go 12 or below, I'm going to get drafted by someone else. You drafted yourself? And so I gave the Chiefs a little, bit of, in, a, little bit of, a little bit of info on that because I wanted to be here. All kinds of shenanigans. Matt Nagy giving Patrick Mahomes the plays to go over. Well, it turned out Pat- to be brilliant, Patrick by the Mahomes way. giving the Chiefs the, hey, these guys are going to take me if I get past 12. He didn't get past 12. He went number 10. And the, and the Cardinals, obviously, were in that mix, too, in 2017. Uh, they were interested but didn't pull the trigger to move up to get Patrick Mahomes and ended up with Hassan Redick at number 13. Patrick Mahomes coming out, boy, a lot of people didn't know. Be, I'll be honest. And I had seen Patrick Mahomes play a lot. He played a couple times. He played against Arizona he State. He played here. Yes. That was uh, the, that Bellage, was the, the, the Bellage game, Bellage right? eight-touchdown game. Um, to me... 
I was very much in the camp of, well, the numbers look great, but go through the list of Texas Tech quarterbacks before Patrick Mahomes. They all put up huge numbers. Sure, he's got talent. He'll Some never, guy named Cliff even, didn't Yeah, he? Cliff Kingsbury was part of that that that, that mix, too. Um, I didn't think he was going to be a great NFL quarterback. System quarterback, you heard a lot. Absolutely dead wrong. Dead wrong. Because he's received the proper coaching at the NFL level. Now, I don't know if Matt Nagy cheating and giving Patrick Mahomes the plays gave Andy Reid the ammunition to pull the trigger. Because they were okay. Mahomes. They were okay at the quarterback position at that time. Yeah, Mahomes, they had, they had Alex Smith. They, Mahomes didn't even start his, his rookie. That year. is right. But if that pushed Mahomes over the edge, that was one of the greatest decisions in Chiefs history. Matt Nagy cheating, yeah. giving Patrick Mahomes the plays. They the should night put before. Matt Nagy in the Ring of Honor. He, sh- he should be in the Ring of Honor. <laughs> Matt Nagy, horrible head coach, excellent cheater. Excellent. I just think the first quarterback drafted that year was Mitchell Trubisky. And they traded up, Tra- to, they they traded traded up, up to number to two him. to get him. They, they gave up the farm to get him. Unbelievable. Oh, Bears. I got such a kick out of that story. Man, Patrick Mahomes has lived a charmed life since he's been in the NFL. It's been smooth sailing. It's interesting that Mahomes wanted to go to Kansas City. And I've got nothing against Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Nothing against City. I've been there. Great stadium. Great fans. Great place. But I wouldn't think that that good would barbecue. be a, yeah good yeah, good barbecue. <laughs> I wouldn't think that would be a destination place to live though for a young player coming out in the draft. Like oh, I want to play here. Maybe the lure of playing with Andy Reid. I don't know. That struck me though. Like oh really? Like you wanted to go to Kansas City? But apparently he did. But it was a. I mean, the year before they were twelve win twelve win team. Yeah, maybe maybe from yeah. a pure football standpoint that was attractive to him. But that's the way. That's the way you handle the progression at the quarterback position. You got a guy in place. Identify that guy while that guy's still in place. Yep. You don't see it too often. It, it was rare because I remember Patrick Mahomes' rookie season too. The reports at a training camp, even the, the the second year when he was in training camp, Patrick Mahomes doesn't even know how to take a snap from center. This guy's way behind the curve. <laughs> and then he lit the league on fire in September, starting in September. It was just a crazy. Speaking of success, did you see Jordan Love get in that game late? He looked good. He looked really good. And the Packers. So I don't know, that prevent defense yeah. kind of deal. Who knows? But, but suddenly they have a wide receiver after we talked about the lack of wide receivers in Green Bay forever. Christian Watson is starting to step up. He looks like a re- the real deal. All he does is catch touchdowns. That's all he does. Buddy Ryan. Sounds familiar. Yep. Uh, text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, a big weekend in college football as the playoff teams will be determined. And... A change coming to said playoff system in the very near future. We'll get into all of it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings. Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, the Friday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick Rolls on. Vince Murata, Jared Carlin, Sarah Cazell taking you up until 10 o'clock today. Championship weekend in college football gets underway tonight in Las Vegas. Pac-12 championship. I was surprised to hear you say it's sold out affair at Allegiant Stadium. Well, a couple things. Turns out Vegas is a destination. 
You think so? I think so. As opposed to, say, Santa Clara? Yeah. A couple <laughs> what a of things. great idea that was. Oh, a great idea. So credit, I hate to say it, you know who for deciding to move it there. Say his even, name. I think say, even, it, say his name. Even better moving the basketball tournament there because they used to have it in Staples Center and there used yes. to be like half empty for the entire thing. Yeah, that was. A couple things. First of all, Utah travels and let's just yes. call it what it is. I mean, how important it is for the Pac-12, of course, as they're walking out the door, but to just, just to have USC not only good again, but really good. Yeah, but. And in, 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 in the top four in the country right I, now with a with a player that is going to win the Heisman Trophy. Because USC will travel when they're good. They will, but the phrase that I can't get past in what you just said is, even though they're walking out the door. I don't want the Pac-12 to get a, a playoff representative this year. Because if it's USC, they're walking out the door. But it's good for it. I mean, the money, the money. I don't care. Get the, the hell attention. out. If you're leaving, get out. Go Utah. I'm not a Utah fan, but I hope they demolish USC. The University of Spoiled Children. Enjoy those Midwestern winters, All right, morons. So we don't like. <laughs> we don't like Luca, and we don't like USC. Yes. Who's number three on the list? <laughs> Who's on the list? You just made the list, buddy. The, <laughs> the Murata Three. The, Luca. It's a list you don't Luca. want to be on. It Caleb. The, Luca. The, Caleb. The two-year like window that Oklahoma and Texas and USC and UCLA have is very awkward and strange and it's, why they just can't move them immediately. Yeah, it's dumb. It's like going to like a relationship, a marriage situation. Couples are divorced, but they can't logistically move on and have separate homes. You ever known divorced couples to live together? It happens. It's really weird. That's what's happening in the Pac-12 right but now. But why do schedules have to be made five years said, out in college football and not in any other sport? Hey, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> I don't have the answer to that question. Well, the schedules aren't always made, but 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 home and homes are deals are struck. I mean, they're not they're not the schedules the aren't set. In stone. Is set. The conference rotation is set yeah. as far as who you're playing. Well, you know, used to be Pac-12 North and South, and are you at home or are you there? Do you guys think? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. The Pac-12 officials are going to try to stick it to USC tonight. <laughs> I mean, no. don't, don't kid I yourself. I nothing. Hey, this is... I think they'll unintentionally screw something up, but uh, I don't yeah, think they'll I do mean, it on are purpose. Are the Pac-12 officials competent enough to carry out such a plan if that was on I mean, only against Sean Miller? I mean, would they offer an official a trip to Cancun for teeing up Sean Miller? Oh, they he wouldn't the do ball. that. He touched the ball. He touched the ball. He, he touched the ball. He touched the ball. He touched the ball, <laughs> he touched the ball Vinny. Um, <laughs> by the way, Thursday, August 31st, 2034. <laughs> Mark your calendars, because ASU will open up against NAU. Exactly. Yeah. Can't wait. Did you say twenty thirty four? Yeah, that's uh, twelve years from now. They have freshmen in that uh, freshmen in in that game are in first grade. Then they, they they just also then they signed some big home and home with some SEC team in or Florida? something. Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kenny Dillingham has just won his third straight national Whoa. championship. And a re- he's on his way to the Big Ten. Another reason I'm kind of disgusted with the USC thing, and a lot of it is selfish and and. Uh, geared towards ASU is ASU in the Herm Edwards era missed a golden opportunity of USC mediocrity and they were never able Utah to their credit is the team 
from the now defunct South Division of the Pac-12 that said, "Okay, UCLA, you're not or USC, you're not going to be good. We'll be the team to beat." They were the ones that captured it. ASU had that opportunity and failed. And when Lincoln Riley went to Los Angeles and he brought all those transfers, Jordan Addison, Caleb Williams, I with told him, you. I didn't think it was going to get this good this quick for USC, and it kind of makes me sick. I remember we had that discussion yes. before the season started. I, I was quite sure it was going to. They were. That's sort of the, the big picture thing. Is that good or bad if you're ASU and U of A fans? That it looks like USC is back and their dominance is going to be now for several years. Is it good that they're leaving the Pac-12 or is it bad? It's probably good because you're not going to be able to beat those guys for a while. I could say... I mean, unless it, you... It, I mean, it, if they were not... If this transition was happening and USC was turning into a powerhouse again and they weren't leaving, I would say it's great for the Pac-12. It's good. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's good for the Pac-12. It's yeah. not good for ASU. They're not going to be able to beat those guys for a long time. But good for the Pac-12 means good for the member institutions as well. Yep. Everyone wins. But again, they're leaving. It's a temporary Everybody fix. wins except for the teams that are playing that don't literally win. Money. That's who, what I'm talking about. Who do you uh, like in this game? I like USC. I, I think I think it's going to be tough for Utah to beat that team twice. Plus, I think they're playing at a really high level right now. Do we think there'll be any upsets this in championship weekend? Because it's not like none of the matchups really are juicy. No, they're really not. It just worked out that there's like one great team and one not so good team. Two of the championship games right now feature point spreads that are sixteen and a half or bigger. Which is what is Clemson? Is Clemson favorite over, over North Carolina? They gotta be uh, by seven and a half. Okay, I could I see, TCU Kansas State. I could see Carolina beating Clemson. TCU Kansas State is probably no. I think U, USC Utah is the best of the matchups in terms of two quality teams. As a Big Twelve is second. The other ones should I, I think all probably be blowouts. What do you guys think if USC loses? They're out. They're they're out. But Ohio State goes in yeah. for not winning their own division and not playing in the conference championship game and not being good enough to play this weekend. But they go and USC stays the, home. The inherent flaw in the four team system. What would have been interesting is if it would have been like how the the North and South like they used to do in the Pac twelve and ten and two Washington would have played USC, mm-hmm. and if they would have beaten USC, if they would have sniffed over, like, an Alabama. Uh, I don't know. They do. Somebody projected, too, because 2024, they're expanding it to 12. The playoff bracket, um, based on this year's teams, so the, the way it works is the first four teams, mm-hmm. the top four seeds will get buys into yes. the quarterfinals. So the first round this year would be Eighth-seeded Penn State against number 9 Clemson on one side of the bracket. Number 5 Ohio State against number 12 Tulane. And then on the other side, seventh-seeded Tennessee against Kansas State, a 10. And fifth-seeded Alabama against number 11 Utah. And the top four seeds, of course, being Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. I look at it one of two ways. It's like I get trying to capture... More teams, more money is what it's all about. You can't capture the Cinderella aspect of a of a tournament bracket the way the basketball does. Football does not lend itself to upsets, like a 12 beating a 5. Like, do you give Tulane any chance against a 5 in Ohio State? That would be an absolute blowout. Of course it will be. But is representation the biggest part of it for schools like Tulane and those non-Power 5 schools? Vinny, put it this way. The one... Blows out the four 
yes. almost every routinely season in this system. In the system, it's going to happen this year too. So, how are the twelve and the eleven? Going to hang now. Granted, the one, the one is obviously way more powerful than the five and the six. Yes. So maybe those games could be a little more competitive. Well, look, five, there's people who don't even like the fourteen playoff. Yeah, six and unfair. six and eleven would be Alabama, Utah. Utah is a team with an identity. Right. They're physical. They're incredibly well coached. They're consistent. Would you give them any chance against a Nick Saban Alabama team? I would not. No. But it's also like the should why should a three loss Utah team even have the same chance as a championship as a zero loss Georgia team? Because what what Tim if, was talking about earlier too, for whatever reason, college football is the only sport in North America where people cling to the importance of regular season games. And I get it. It's because they had this antiquated system of uh, determining a champion for years and years and decades and decades. Well, because the regular season was kind of, in a way, a playoff. You could be eliminated from championship contention in September if you stubbed your toe. Because because of the stupid play, the the lack of a playoff system. People are saying that the Michigan-Ohio State game is not going to mean anything anymore. Because both teams will always make it in, regardless of who wins. Well, no, not, not, but, okay. That game will always mean something. It'll mean something to the fan bases, but, okay, but this, this is an argument. Let, let's, let's talk about it. So, that game last Saturday had 15 million viewers, right? Mm-hmm. There was obviously always going to be local interest with the fan bases. It's a great rivalry. But would there be a national interest to the extent there was, knowing that the winner of that game, the, the way it was, the way it was last week, loser probably eliminated from national championship contention. But, new system, both those teams are going in regardless. Would there be the national attention that there was on that game in a, in a 12-team playoff system? Not saying people wouldn't watch it. There wouldn't yeah. be curiosity. But would there be like, oh, my God, got to watch this game? I, I just think it's going to take time. We'll get to the place where, okay, regular season's great. But postseason, I mean, every other sport we're conditioned to watch as but Americans. We, are, we already have the NFL, Vinny. That's what separated college football and made it different and made it special. That would be the argument, right? We already got the NFL. This 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 was something that was different. It was kind of quirky. Yeah. It was a little. Anyway, we could talk about it for five hours, and we will next week. Yes, we How will. About that you got time, you got time next week. <laughs> Coming up next, uh, we'll dive into social media, social studies with Sarah Cazell. Pickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.